Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. I'm Erlon Woods. I'm Nigel Poor. We're the hosts and creators of Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. Ear Hustle is a show about life inside prison, but it's not your typical prison podcast. In this next season, we've got stories about the objects people keep inside their prison cells. About residents in a women's prison who say they want to stay there. And the most beautiful prison garden. Erlon, I will never forget it. Ear Hustle. Stories about life on the inside, told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly sunny skies. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Going into Labor Day weekend, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp urged citizens to continue following social distancing guidelines. This weekend in particular is a great weekend, if nothing else, to go out and verbally warn people about the guidance and try to get them to adhere to it and just let them be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Did folks listen? I'll ask two coastal Georgia mayors what they observed in their communities. I can tell you that our beaches were packed. The one thing that I was impressed with this year, seeing what happened on July 4th and Memorial Day, there seemed to be more respect among the beachgoers regarding social distancing. And there were actually people who, I would say one one out of three people, I would say, were wearing a mask or had a mask on their person. For the first time really this year, some of our hotels have indicated that they um, were at full capacity, which is something that has not happened in quite a while. That conversation coming up in just a moment. But first, this Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger says 1,000 Georgians voted twice in the June primaries. Now, according to the secretary, these voters were flagged in the system. Raffensperger says the individuals were among the 150,000 who showed up at the polls. But these 1,000 voters, he said, also voted by absentee ballot. It's not the system. It was uh, the county election officials, but also is the voters knowing what they're doing and then putting pressure on them and taking advantage of uh, the system, that the protocols that the election, the counties had in place. But it's really the voter that bears responsibility for that. They mailed back their ballot. They knew that they had a ballot that was back. They knew what they were doing. That's from a press conference held earlier today. Now, voting more than once in a particular election is a felony. Secretary Raffensperger went on to say the state will prosecute those who voted twice to the fullest extent of the law. He says this did not affect, however, the outcomes of any races. Now, WABE reporter Emil Moffitt was at today's press conference. You can hear more about this later this afternoon during All Things Considered, hosted by Jim Burrs. In other election-related news, early voting begins today in the special election for Georgia's 5th Congressional District seat. The winner will fill the seat of the late civil rights icon and Congressman John Lewis for the remainder of the year. The 5th District includes parts of Fulton, DeKalb, and Clayton Counties. There are currently seven candidates on the ballot. Five of them are Democrat. One candidate is running as a libertarian and the other is running as an independent. Now, the special election will take place September 29th. If no candidate receives more than 50 percent of the vote, well, a runoff will take place December 1st. Meanwhile, the global number of confirmed coronavirus cases is above 27.3 million as of today. That's according to data from Johns Hopkins University. The U.S. leads the world with the highest number of cases, 6.3 million. 
India and Brazil are second and third. And Georgia reached another milestone over the holiday weekend. Sunday, the Georgia Department of Public Health reported more than 6,000 deaths have been linked to COVID-19. Georgia is the 10th state to surpass 6,000 deaths. And at this time, 6,095 Georgians have reportedly died due to the coronavirus. And there are 283,807 cases total in the state. There are 25,538 hospitalizations of those 4,687 are ICU admissions. This, of course, is all according to the Georgia Department of Public Health. This is Closer Look. Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. Atlanta's choice for NPR, as always, I'm Rose Scott. The last summer holiday has come and gone. Yes, it was an unusual summer due to the pandemic. However, there were concerns about the Labor Day weekend. You know, here's Georgia Governor Brian Kemp urging folks to practice safety measures. This progress can be erased very quickly if we grow complacent. Our state's health and well-being rest on what Georgians choose to do over this Labor Day weekend. Now, sometimes the beautiful weather is always an enticement to head towards Georgia's coast and social distancing on a beach. Well, that could be challenging. But we wanted to know how the crowds were this past Labor Day weekend. Did folks stay at home? And if folks did venture to these coastal towns, did they practice those safety measures? Well, join me now to share what occurred in their communities. It's Savannah Mayor Van Johnson and returning to the program, Tybee Island Mayor Shirley Sessions. Thank you both for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Now, Mayor Sessions, this is your third appearance on Closer Look, which makes you eligible for a very stylish Closer Look coffee mug, in case you didn't know that. But but let's begin with your observations this past weekend. What'd you see? This past weekend, um, well, it was, first of all, very unlike last Labor Day, which uh, was a time where we were all expecting Dorian, Hurricane Dorian to come through. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, we were spared to a great a great degree from that hurricane. This year, we had the same kinds of numbers that we saw earlier in the summer, July 4th, Memorial Day. So we had a high, high numbers. To, to give you a real count, I could only tell you that we do uh, count the cars that come onto the island. And on Saturday and Sunday, each day, there were 12,000 cars that came across the island. So we, I can tell you that our beaches were packed. The one thing that I was impressed with this year, uh, especially after seeing what happened on July 4th and Memorial Day, this year there seemed to be more respect among the beachgoers regarding social distancing. Hmm. And there were actually people who, I would say one, one out of three people, I would say were wearing a mask or had a mask on their person. In spite of the heat, we saw more people using tents, which uh, tends to give more space distancing uh, between people. And our beaches, because they were renourished earlier this year, uh, late last year, the low tides gave a lot of room for uh, beach beach movement. Mm-hmm. So we, we did um, have enforcement officers who Uh, in certain cases had to remind people about the social distancing. We also were able to uh, make face masks available to people who wanted them. Face masks are not required on Tybee. 
we have a sign on um, our welcome to Tybee, um, a banner that says, please mask up. Mm -hmm. All of our uh, city vehicles also have signs saying mask up. So we encourage it strongly. We have given over 6,000 masks complimentary to our businesses who have in turn give them to their, uh, distributed them to their customers and to their staff. And again, we had those available this weekend. We were very, very fortunate and, and pleased that there were no uh, drownings, no, no tragedies that occurred mm -hmm. this weekend, because often we do see yeah. people acting irresponsibly, um, alcohol and, and um, the ocean is not, not always a good combination. We, uh, we have extra lifeguards on duty, and we also had a lot of riptides uh, on Sunday, so the red flags were flying, and people, generally speaking, paid attention. So all in all, I would say that um, I was pleased, our staff was pleased, our council was pleased that uh, that it was a, a more family-oriented crowd, mm -hmm. and uh, we, we survived, and, and hopefully people had a good experience. Uh, Mayor Johnson, what about in your community? What did you see this past Labor Day weekend? Well, thank you for the opportunity. And I think this is the first time I've been invited to be on Closer Look. So I guess I didn't qualify for a mug. Um, you got to get three appearances in, Mayor. Well, but I've only been asked once. So I just don't <laughs> think that's fair. But it's okay. Um, but Savannah, um, we we expected large crowds. We mm -hmm. got that. Um for the first time really this year, some of our hotels have indicated that they um, were at full capacity, which is something that has not happened in quite a while. Um, our businesses did it really, really well. Um, in Savannah, we do have a mandatory mask mandate, mm -hmm. which um, has been in place since July the 1st. Um, and we were hit and miss. We think that a lot more people were wearing them. Um, however, the governor's order specifically said that we could not regulate it within private businesses. Mm -hmm. So it is, it essentially, while you're in the public space, uh, sidewalks, streets, um, you were able to wear a mask, but then when you went into a restaurant, for example, you did, which kind of defeats the purpose. Um, so it made it a lot more difficult to regulate. Um, we also um, want to, we give masks before we ticket. So um, we've given out um, thousands of masks uh, at this point and still do. Um, before we ticket anybody. Uh, the goal is, again, is compliance, is not to be punitive. Um, so we know the litmus test for us is really two weeks from now mm -hmm. um, when we look and see what the effects were of what happened this weekend. I mean, we know that uh, the incubation period is about um, 12 to 16 days, so we'll know in two weeks what the real impact was on uh, Labor Day in Savannah 2020. Mayor Johnson, let me um, stay with you for a moment and also I want to extend our condolences on the passing of Chatham County Commissioner James Holmes, who died from complications of COVID-19. That loss for your community during this time, can you just even put into words what, what that has meant? Absolutely. Um, Coach Holmes was not only a great community leader in our community, he was a personal friend of mine, a personal mentor. Um, he was someone who um, always had the biggest smile on his face. He, he, his whole life's work was about athletics and about young people. Um, so literally, he has coached um, our greatest coaches uh, in our community. 
Um, those folks you think about it, every single one of them can draw back their, their lineage to uh, Commissioner Holmes. And so to have someone like that, who I didn't even recognize was 81, 82 years old until mm -hmm. he died, um, because I would still say that he could outrun me going down the street, um, literally uh, caught COVID um, and 17 days later, he was gone. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me and for many people um, who thought that this was a hoax or all these types of things, um, you know, you could not um, mistake the fact that someone very significant to our community was taken away from us because of COVID. And, and if his passing from us means that some people take it more seriously, then I hope that, you know, uh, his life has more meaning in that, in that regard. And that leads me to this next question for Mayor Sessions, because, uh, Madam Mayor, the last time you were on this program, you talked about the concern because there are a large number of older citizens in your community and you were concerned about their well-being. Is that still the case, obviously, down there at, at Tybee Island? Well, I would like to just also mention um, Commissioner Holmes. Everyone who knew him in any capacity had such respect for him. He um, called me maybe a few weeks uh, before he got sick. He and his wife were planning to come to Tybee for a weekend and uh, was asking about where to stay. And we were laughing just about life and what, what a loss. But you're right, um, Rose, we do have an uh, older population on Tybee. We also have two, two rehabilitation uh, nursing uh, centers here on Tybee. I think because of our population's understanding of this this horrible COVID virus, they are really taking it seriously and trying to follow all of the rules. And I think that's one reason Tybee hasn't seen the, the higher numbers that we could have seen because our citizens are really, really paying attention. Like Mayor Johnson, our businesses did well this weekend. Um, most of our businesses, uh, shops do require people having masks. Uh, and then of course our restaurants are, are required to, according to the governor's guidelines, the people who come in contact, the staff in restaurants and bars are required to um, wear a mask if they interact with uh, customers. But I think about Savannah and Tybee both being resort communities. And it's like I've said so often, how do we know when people leave the beach, how, mm -hmm. when they leave Savannah, uh, what they are taking back with them, you know, what they've left behind? There's no way that we can really measure that. Mm -hmm. So while our community uh, full-time residents are doing a good job of staying safe, it's unknown what visitors are leaving or taking with them. You know, so much has been made prior to the holiday weekend that if you know, folks did adhere to those, you know, social distancing and safety measures that perhaps this will be a very critical point in, in Georgia, you know, mitigating the transmission of the virus. And you look at Chatham County right now, you're just under 7,500 confirmed cases, um, 131 deaths and over 600 hospitalizations. Uh, based on what you all have told me and our listeners, do you think then this part of the of Georgia you all might be the turning point. Here's what happened down in Chatham. We didn't see a lot of folks, or we did see folks adhering to those guidelines. How optimistic are you that maybe in the next few weeks that we will see these numbers really indicate there was some progress made? Uh, I'll let you start, Mayor Sessions. Well, you know, I, I certainly hope so. 
I think that we're that there's still so much unknown about re you know the reappearing of of, of this uh, virus. When is it going to come back? Will it come back? Is it leveling off? I think that I encourage every person listening, um, every community to continue to take this seriously. Uh, I was just reading, um, you know, that everybody, the, the CDC and health department are encouraging people to especially get their flu shots. And, and primarily they're asking that you do it maybe more closer to October than September, mm -hmm. just to have it la the um, impact last longer because it will help um, throughout the fall and winter as people's get sick, if they have had the flu that uh, the flu shot, they'll perhaps be able to determine a little bit whether or not, you know, they need to test heavily for COVID. So uh, it, it will remain to, to, to be seen exactly how those numbers fall out. But like I said, Rose, you know, it's hard to, to know when people visit places like Tybee and Savannah and other beach communities, when they leave, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know how those, where they're going and how those, you know, what they're taking and what they caught, what they left behind, those are unknowns. Mm -hmm. And, and um, but we are going to continue to try to make people, encourage people to be as safe as possible when they're in our community. The voice you hear is Tybee Island Mayor Shirley Sessions, and I'm also joined by Savannah Mayor Van Johnson. And we're talking about how their coastal communities are faring amid the COVID-19 pandemic and obviously this past Labor Day weekend. Mayor Johnson, how optimistic are you that uh, based on what happened in your community this past weekend, that this could be a turning point for the entire state? Well, it is. I mean, you know, Savannah it continues to rank. Savannah, inclusive of Tybee, um, you know, we are a, a good place to come and visit. Uh, particularly where people are not going internationally. They're looking for a good place. Savannah and Tybee provides um, an experience of giving you not only uh, a gorgeous beach, but a, a, a great riverfront, uh, wonderful opportunities to eat, shop, stay, walk around. Uh, the weather has been, um, you know, hot to say the least. And so um, it makes us very, very attractive for people who want to be able to come here. Um, that being said, I think that, you know, when you look across the state and look at how Savannah Chatham's numbers have uh, fared, we have fared better than most places in the state, mm -hmm. particularly places that, you know, have any type of tourism um, opportunities. So, you know, people want to come to places where they believe that people are doing the things mm -hmm. that will keep them safe. We would not go to a restaurant if the restaurant had a low score and, you know, you know, low inspection score, I mean, people wouldn't go there. Mm -hmm. So I think that's part of our draw. Um, but it's also part of our issue because, you know, we people are coming in, as Mayor Sessions said, I mean, we don't know who they are. We don't know where they're coming from. We don't know what habits they had before they got here. And so, you know, we hold our breath and we just hope and pray that once they've gone about their lives, um, that, you know, we, we are relatively unscathed by that. So we do the best we can. Mayor Johnson, let me stay with you. Let's talk about the economic toll so far. Your business is there. How are they doing? They're doing horribly. They, they, I mean, you know, it's, 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 this has been a really 
messed up time. I mean, it goes all the way back to the St. Patrick's Day Parade for uh, as Mayor Sessions knows, um, because they have a great parade as well. I mean, Savannah now has the second largest um, celebration in the country. New York is first, Savannah is second, mm -hmm. uh, Chicago is third, and Boston is fourth. Um, and so you look at those those mammoth cities, and then you look at Savannah nestled at number two. Um, you know, most of our businesses make a third of their income just from the St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day Festival, one third of their business. Wow. Um, and when you look at it, where our weather improves quickly and, and faster than most other places, you know, you're talking about really nice weather starting in March. And so for us, that's the beginning of our season. And so um, businesses have not been able to do any of that. Where we've had occupancies in the high 90s, we've had occupancies in the, in the low 30s and 40s. Um, so it's been very, very hard. Um, a lot of these businesses are struggling to try to stay afloat. Um, as a result, you know, people have lost their jobs, mm. um, which creates a, another issue for our economy. Uh, we've tried locally here to use our CARES money to help to provide um, some substance, some assistance for businesses that could demonstrate they've had because of COVID-19. We realize, you know, it's, it's, it's a noble try. It may not be enough, but we're trying. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, as Mayor Session says, I mean, this weekend um, might hopefully be a jumping off point to us doing better. But on the other end of it, I don't think either one of us will compromise um, business um, opportunities for public safety. And so, you know, I think if if the numbers turn, then we'll have to look at something else uh, here. Um, right now, we're just praying for the best. Uh, these folks have been through so much. Hmm. Are you were you able to get a fair amount of funding through the CARES Act for your for your resident? Um, we, we, we did. Um, we, we did. This is the first round of it. Um, and Savannah you know, got based on population, which is why the census is so important. Um, we were able to turn about $3.3 million of that to help people um, who are about to be evicted or people who need utility assistance, mortgage assistance, um, or rent assistance. Um, and then we're using about $3.6 million or so to help businesses. Um, and that's just from our CARES Act money. Um, we figured it would be better to help businesses first before helping ourselves first. And so that's kind of where we are. We're trying to get that money distributed. Again, we know this won't replace what was lost, but you know, if it provides an opportunity, a life, life preserver, so to speak, for these businesses, then I think we're better because of it. Mayor Sessions, Tybee Island, obviously huge for vacation rentals. How is that industry doing down there? You know, Rose, after, um, once Tybee beach reopened um we saw uh, a lot before that uh and as you know the the council and and i had closed or had um limited short-term vacation rentals had actually asked them to to close not accept reservations for a month and they were all on board and and then of course it, things were overturned but most of those companies uh, stayed true to that. And then once uh, that time period had lapsed, they, they started taking reservations again and they have been, they have done well, they have done well. And um, I, I think that they, you know, we, we 
are very close to the uh, Visit Tybee uh, Chamber of Commerce uh, here on Tybee and uh, and Savannah, they, they work as one. And uh, hearing the meetings and getting the reports and getting reports from our uh, local uh, short-term vacation rentals, hotels, motels, mm-hmm. we they, they've done well. And um, it's, uh, it's a continual uh, we also have, you know, the, the people who visit Tybee for, for the day. So there's two different groups that, that we look at and that we deal with and, and try to make a good experience for them, but also trying to remind them that this is a community with residents who live here full time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, w- when you are here, we, we welcome your visit. This is your beach. Treat it as such. Um, don't leave behind litter. You know, stay out of the sand dunes and and be respectful about not parking on other people's property. Those those are always. Uh, Mayor Johnson and I have very different um, different challenges, um, and I I can just say, Mayor Johnson, I would not want your challenges. You you well, are. I wouldn't want your challenges. <laughs> but but they are different. But we 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 struggle um, individually on how to handle it and make things safe while still giving people a really good experience. That's what we both want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just have to say that you know, Mayor Johnson has really taken stands and and done it in a way that has been Uh-oh. respectful to to leaders above us. And um, in, in trying to, to do the right thing, it's never popular when you take a stand that's not that's not popular with um, so many people. But then the majority and, and remembering that government's first role is public safety. And I think that um, I salute the governor and also our um, chairman for Chatham County, Al Scott, has and his uh, commissioners have tried to do a good job for Chatham and all of the municipalities in, in Chatham County have put forth their put forth their best effort. We, we all have different struggles. So and we all try to work together. Well, Mayor Johnson, let's talk about, you know, your stance. You have been very adamant and vocal, uh, may have been in opposition to what was coming from Governor Brian Kemp. Someone would say, but you are acting in the best interest of your community. That's correct. Um, and I think Mayor Sessions has been more than kind and gracious, um, as she always is. Um, you know, the reality for us is that um, as mayors, um, we control very little, but we're blamed for everything. Um, she'll be blamed if the water is too cold on top. It has to be her fault. Um, and so ultimately for us, I think what cities across the state have been, you know, we've just been trying to find ways to help keep folks safe. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we walk into Walmarts and we walk into um, various stores and up and down streets. We're very accessible and people um, will tell us, you know, we want to be safe. And so ultimately um, that led us down this kind of road of saying, you know, we need to work with the state to be able to find ways to help for help us to help keep our city safe. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for us, that was canceling um, large functions and gatherings. Uh, which Mayor Sessions and I both did. Um, and, and for us, it, it, it meant sometimes even going, um, you know, to to the governor and just, you know, openly disagreeing. Um, you know, as he, he was here this past uh, Friday. I mean, I have no hard feelings about him. I mean, this was not about being personal. It was about business. It was about we disagreed on a significant policy issue. Um, 
the city of Savannah felt that masks, you know, following the science were the way to go. And so therefore we did that. We ordered masks in, in the city. Um, the governor said the day after he was not going to um, challenge it. He has not challenged it and it stays in place to this day. Um, and from our coastal health district, they've indicated that they believe that our numbers are better and they can actually draw a line from the day that we um, mandated mass, which was uh, July the 1st, to why our numbers are better as opposed to other areas of the state. So, you know, we're grateful for that. Uh, we recognize that our roles are to be the mouthpieces and to, to be able to stand for our communities. And I think uh, Mass Sessions has done that in a, in a wonderful way uh, for Fort Tybee, uh, even to the point where uh, she was gonna take on a state patrol uh, to protect her beaches. Um, and again, that's what good, good mayors do. And she, she, she did that. Um, and I'm doing the best I can here just to be able to manage uh, a 287 year old city mm -hmm. um, that has 15 million visitors every single year um, that want to come and live their best lives, but we have to protect the people who live here every single day. And I want to shift for a moment before I let you all go, because something that you all cannot control either. Look, we're in hurricane season here. So <laughs> you also have to prepare and, and deal for that whenever these storms come a calling, as they say. Combine that with a pandemic. Uh, Mayor Johnson, I'll start with you as we wrap up. How do you even sum up this year so far for you and your community? Extraordinary. Um, it, I mean, I was so ready for 2019 to be over and start 2020. And now like, I wish I, could, I can go ahead and get 2019 back. <laughs> I don't want to call 2019 and say, hey, I'm sorry about the things I've said about you. You know, maybe we should go out to dinner and just talk this stuff over. Um, it has been a year that has been unprecedented in so many ways. I mean, you know, we, we are writing the book because we just have not been through any of this. Um, there's nothing in the mayor's book. And I looked in the mayor's book. There's no nothing that says how to deal in the middle of a pandemic or how to deal with, you know, you know, huge demonstrations uh, as it relates to um, you know, police um, brutality. I mean, it doesn't say anything about that. Although we do have a book on hurricanes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we've done that very well here. Um, we are prepared as best as we can be. Um, we just don't want people to become complacent because they've lived through this before. Uh, we see uh, what happened out in the Gulf, how a hurricane can go from tropical storm to uh, category four real quick and cause devastation. Um, so, you know, we're prepared as best we can be. We tell people to stay prepared and to really to review their plans because it changes. You know, one time people in Savannah go hang out with their friends in Atlanta. Well, you may not be able to do that this time. Mm -hmm. um, you might be going to a place that is a hot spot. So how do you do that in this now pandemic type of reality? So I'm hoping that the good Lord shows mercy on us and spares us this year, because I'm not sure what we would do with an evacuation on top of all of this stuff. Mm. Mayor Sessions, I'll give you the last word. Can you sum up all of this? And right now you all are in the midst of hurricane season as well. Yes, um, like, like Mayor Johnson said, we do have a manual on how to deal with hurricanes. We haven't really fine-tuned it on how to deal with hurricanes in a pandemic, right. but we do rely on, heavily rely on our local uh, Chatham Emergency Management Partners, our Georgia Emergency Management, and FEMA 
to help us um, do the best planning possible and do it early. And like uh, Mayor Johnson said, this time when people evacuate, it's going to look different. And uh, not only as far as where they'll go, but what they can afford. I mean, you know, we forget about the economic impact that this has caused so many people. People don't have many people don't have the funds to, to, to get a hotel or to, you know, to, to do some of the things they would have done last year or the year before. Um, Tybee is very vulnerable. Fortunately, because of our uh, beach renourishment and thankfully to our federal government, state, uh, Chatham and, uh, you know, all of our partners being able to nourish our beach and, and our sand dunes, our first line of protection. But when you have a, a, a really, really mean ferocious hurricane, we understand that there's possibly no protection. You just, you encourage people to get out. Lives are more important than properties. And I do want to um, to reflect when we, back in the spring when everything was so chaotic, um, I do want to thank and have thanked um, the governor for giving us the support of the Georgia State Patrol troopers and the DNR rangers for helping us um, control some of the issues that we did not have the enforcement to do. In fact, um, at our second council meeting in September, we are going to be honoring those individuals who did come down and help us during that period, because that was very, very important to this community. Um, and you know, we'll just continue to, to work together. And I think Mary Johnson and I are both on the same page of the importance of building relationships and putting aside um, political differences. It sounds corny, but it's so true. We are, we are all in this together. Just want to say to our Atlanta friends, you know, we think about them and the mayor there and, and all of the people who are have challenges that as much as we have challenges, we know that theirs are so different and so great. Hmm. So our thoughts are all, always with my hometown, Atlanta. We're just going to work together and, and try to, to make it through 2020. And like Mayor Johnson said, we're going to be through with 2020 by the end of this year. Uh, Tybee Island Mayor Shirley Sessions. I was also joined by Savannah Mayor Van Johnson. Thank you both for taking the time. Best of luck to y'all as you get through this. Thank you, Rose. Well, hopefully I'll be able to earn a mug um, with two more appearances. I'm just saying. Well, you know, Mayor Johnson. I share my I, mug with you. I, you know, I'm the host. Maybe I can fast track that for you. Hi, there you go. Uh, maybe I could just do you know, too many interviews or something. I'm just saying. <laughs> Thank you all. Bye, y'all. Stay Thanks. safe. Bye, bye, man. Talk all to right. you soon. <laughs> Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you all. Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. 
Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. Full disclosure here with this next segment. When I moved here in 1996 and I asked people where to eat, and they gave me four top restaurants, it was Pascal's, Busy Bee's, Q Time, and The Beautiful Restaurant. Say no more. You can't talk about Atlanta or Atlanta's soul food scene without mentioning the beautiful restaurant. It's an Atlanta staple. They all are. And for the past 40 plus years, the restaurant that's located on Cascade Road on the city's southwest side has gained a lot of attention for its made from scratch dishes. And also, like many restaurants, not only here in this region, but throughout the nation, the beautiful, they had to close. But after Being closed for nearly six months now, guess what? The restaurant is gearing to reopen with safety measures in place. And joining me now to talk about all of this is Lucy Sims, the CFO for the beautiful restaurant. Ms. Sims, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I'll put in my order after the interview. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice speaking with you. Oh, let's go back a little bit. The beautiful restaurants, a unique backstory that dates back to 1979. For our listeners who may not know, give them a little snapshot of of that. I was not a part of the organization in 1979. Mm -hmm. That's when The Beautiful was incorporated. And The Beautiful Restaurant is actually owned by the Perfect Church in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people probably like, what? Didn't know that. So the initial intentions was for a social gathering for the church members, mm-hmm. just a social gathering. We already owned that little spot that used to be a little walk up ice cream milk thing called milk jug. Mm-hmm. And a lot of young people probably never heard of a milk jug, but anyway, it was like walking up at checkers only you could buy milk, different products. We bought it and it's my understanding that the church owned operated dry cleaners from that. Mm. Well then they renovated it for their own personal dining hall just for them. Had great cooks in the congregation and they decided to open up the restaurant. Day of opening the community got wind and wasn't having it. Oh. And the rest is history. Been open to the public ever since. And that's the that's our humble beginnings. What is the signature dish through your lens from the beautiful restaurant that everyone has to have? I think well, I know. It has actually changed, but banana pudding is on the top of a lot of people's list. It used to be barbecue beef ribs. Mm. That's what everybody wanted, barbecue because a lot of restaurants weren't serving beef ribs. So, but the banana pudding, that's it. Uh, right now, I like breakfast. Mm-hmm. I'm, I like fish and grits. Yep. <laughs> I like fish and grits. So, but I think the banana pudding will always be one of our staples. Let me ask you this, Miss Lucy Sims. How difficult <clears throat> was it back in March when you all had to close your doors because it was a pandemic and people were were hurting and people were even dying unfortunately it wasn't difficult to close because you want to always think of customers our associates 
You don't want to just stay open just to stay open when people can be hurt and harmed. So that part wasn't a problem. We had no idea, though, we'd be closed five months later. Mm. We, like a lot of people, probably felt that this thing would just pass. It would just pass. But our president and CEO constantly thought about people hurting and people getting sick. And when you work at a restaurant, there's close contact. And we had crowds. So what we tried to do initially was just do carry out. <laughs> and then seemed like that was a threat and that was dangerous. And the board just made a conscious decision to close until further notice. And seeing our customers in the grocery stores, just walking the streets, just seeing them and listening to them, that part was kind of difficult because you you know how it is in the community. Restaurants are a social gathering. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the people that would gather at Beautiful, really they missed. And we, it's my understanding about since we closed three or four of our customers have died. So, you know, it's a serious issue. They died from the coronavirus? Ms. I'm not real sure okay. if the COVID-19 was the source, mm -hmm. but it's just that we won't see them again. Oh. Can you estimate how much revenue you all lost since you had to close down? And this is just a strong estimate. I would say, and when I say revenue, this is gross, mm -hmm. all right, considering what all comes out of it. Anywhere between um, five fifty, seven hundred thousand. Mm. What about your staff? Were you all able to pay them? Were you able to continue to pay them? No. Um, no, fortunately, for not just Beautiful Restaurant, but we filed for our associates mm -hmm. to receive unemployment. So then we got the bump with the $600 federal mm -hmm. unemployment. So it's a good thing people weren't hurting in that area. There's a study, a report from the University of California, Santa Cruz, that 41% of Black-owned businesses have closed for good during this pandemic compared to about 17% of white-owned businesses. When you hear that statistic, Miss Lucy Sims, what, what do you make of that? It's sad. I really hope it's a farce. I don't want it to be true. I really don't. I live in a, in a community that is predominantly African-American and um, it's good for every business to have a neighboring successful business. I don't want to be the only business on the street that's thriving, you want every business in your community to thrive, that makes the community successful mm -hmm. and people will come. No one wants to see boarded up buildings. And that's the history of so many of the black neighborhoods <clears throat> on the west side or southwest side or southeast Absolutely. side. Absolutely. Yeah. And along Cascade Road. That's not a pretty sight. We don't want that. I'm really hoping that... Um, Everyone that can take the advantages of the financial assistance from the federal government, local government, 
whatever it takes to operate your business. The voice you hear is Lucy Sims. She's the CFO of the Beautiful Restaurant. And we're talking about, like we've had so many conversations, how area businesses and now a staple like the Beautiful Restaurant is going to come back online, although it will be in phases. And let's talk about that. What's the opening date first for our listeners and for folks like me? <laughs> What's that opening date? Tuesday, September the 15th. And a little different. Our hours will be from 11 a.m. until 7 p.m. But it will be a little bit different as it as in the past, correct? Yes. So this is two yes. phases. What, uh, what, what changes can customers expect? The first thing. Everybody should expect no breakfast, no more 7 a.m. driving by to get your breakfast and drive to work. No more of that. And also, um, we still have social distancing. Mm -hmm. We can only let so many people in our restaurant at a time because of that. And uh, But the good thing is you can go on our website and place your order. You can also come and pick up at the curb. And you can come in and get your to-go order. And what about safety precautions for your employees? So we really would like for everyone before they return to be tested. But daily, they will have to go through the typical um, temperature check and everything. And mask, of course. Hmm. And our associates that work handling food always use gloves. For you. Uh, not just as a CFO of the business, because you you deal with the the financial aspect of it. At one point, did you think, Ms. Sims, that maybe you all weren't going to be able to reopen? Did that ever cross I, or your boards? Never thought about that. Mm-hmm. I never thought that we would not reopen. I just never thought we'd be closed so long. But I always felt that we were going to reopen. What's been the biggest takeaway for you throughout this pandemic and also as it relates to a, a Black-owned business here in Atlanta with the history of the beautiful and so many other restaurants and other businesses? You kind of touched on it a moment ago, but what's been your personal takeaway to all of this? Well, here's a good thing. <laughs> and I know a lot of people may not share my belief, but I'm so thankful for the time off the rest, to refocus, to do some reading, just meditate. I, I'm thankful for that. And what I think about it is you really don't control every aspect of what happens in this world. You just have to be prepared for anything because things are different. They are different and you have to just Whatever you do, find something positive in it. Something positive in it, because if you if you have a negative attitude, it won't change the uh, dynamics at all, at all. So, I'm I'm sad in the sense that I I won't say sad. I say disappointed that businesses are closing down. I'm really sorry about that because I know what it takes to keep a business going, mm-hmm. and especially when you've invested a lot of money and capital into a business and now all of a sudden it's no more. Mm-hmm. All you have is a write-off for the next year. And then you build relationships with people and they're gone. They're mm-hmm. gone. 
How excited are you about September 15th? Excited. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I don't work directly in the restaurant, but I am so excited. I just want to be there see some of the people we haven't seen and hopefully some new people too. I want to see how this new beautiful works. I really do. We were old school. We didn't do deliveries. For one thing, when you think of delivery, I know my daughters, they they order things and I'm like, really? <laughs> so, um, but I'm always conscious of somebody touching and tampering with my food. So we were that same way about our customers and so we had to think a lot about that and how will we build in safety measures to make sure the food that leaves beautiful is tamper proof pretty much mm. hopefully uh because people are evil <laughs> so but i'm excited about it i'm glad about it we're gonna reopen everybody y'all come out be a part of this <laughs> that banana pudding gonna be on that menu Yes. <laughs> and other cakes and pies. Yes, absolutely. And and the oxtails and the salmon steaks and the barbecue beef ribs oh, and the fried Ms. chicken Lucy, stop. and the macaroni and cheese. Miss Lucy, stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> Lucy Sims, the CFO for the beautiful restaurant. They're coming back online. They're reopening September 15th. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, thank you for what you all have meant to not just that neighborhood, but all of Atlanta and all of your fellow longtime restaurants here that were so, so important in the community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. That's it for this edition of Closer Look, which is produced by Grace Walker and LaShawn Hudson. Our engineer is Shelly Canavy. If you missed any of today's program, it's online at wabe.org slash Closer Look. And of course, you can listen to Closer Look weeknights at 8 p.m. And listen whenever you want, because Closer Look is now available as a podcast. Just visit NPR One or your favorite streaming app and subscribe. This is 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The Gold Dome Scramble podcast is now plugged in, a WABE politics podcast. New name, same on-the-ground reporting from us, WABE politics reporters Sam Greenglass and Raul Bally. We'll cover local, state, and national politics as we talk to politicians and voters to break down each week's biggest headlines. New episodes drop on Fridays. Listen and subscribe at WABE.org or your favorite podcast platform. WABE.